Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present The Sandman Lullaby with your host, Patrick Sean Jones. A dream is a succession of images, ideas, emotions, and sensations that usually occur involuntarily in the mind during certain stages of sleep. The contents and the purpose of dreams are never fully understood. Many are philosophical, religious, but they've all been talked about throughout recorded history. This is the Sandman Lullaby. Here on R.P.N. It is the time when crimson stars, weary of heaven's cold delight, and take like petals from a rose their soft, hesitating flight upon the cool wings of the air across the purple night. It is the time when silver sails go drifting down the violet sea, and every poppy's crimson mouth kisses to sleep the lovesick bee. The fireweed waves her rosy plumes on pasture, hill, and lea. It is the time to dream and feel the liquid rocking of the boat, the pushing ripple round the keel, where cool, deep-hearted lilies float, and hear through winged steel some songer's drowsy note. It is the time at eve to lie, and in a hammock faintly sway, to watch the gold and crimson die across the blue sketch of the bay, to hear the sweet dusk tippy-toe by in a footstep of the day.
are in the Sandman Lullaby here on Real Paranormal Activity. I like to thank each and every one of you that happened to uh, jump on board for this little phantom cast that we uh, do every once in a while when we can grab a microphone and make it make sense and let me introduce to you uh, the duder that I got in the studio with me today that is Mr. Unkempt Andy he is uh, one of the hosts of the Cycle Realms on WMNF Tampa, WMNF.org what's up Andy man? Hello what's up dude? Living the dream. Oh, you're always living that dream. Listening to that rain outside. Well, it, it's been a rainy day. It's been a rainy. It's actually you can been. Hear it right now. It's been headphones. It's, it's been well, outside. yeah, yeah. It's it's been cold and it's been rainy all day here in the uh, Tampa Bay in the Florida area. If you uh, know anything about weather, so uh, what we want to do today, and I brought you into the studio because I want to talk about traveling in your dreams. Traveling in my dreams. Traveling in your dreams. Okay. People take different pathways into their dreams, or when they astral project, which we did to this last uh, last Friday, was we had an astral get together. Say it slow now. Okay, astral. we had an astral projection know, get together yeah well Sorry, you can do I'm, that and uh comedy show well it? no it, it could be if no cheese was playing but uh what we did is everybody that was in basically the world we told them at three o'clock in uh, the eastern time zone to focus on lakeland florida and what i was going to do i was going to light a candle and i was going to have people basically try to astral project concentrating on that candle and concentrating you know on the lakeland florida area and let me tell you something that was really weird dude my dog went crazy yeah when i did this when i lit the really? candle because the door to my house started shaking about around i think some dreamers must have started early because that door started shaking about around two o'clock in the morning wow yeah that's the one thing about you know the, yeah. the paranormal you, you never the energy out there man. well the, I, we wanted people to put the energy out there and actually i did some prayers before uh we started the projection gathering to make sure that no you know bad juju happened to show right. up while we we're doing this and uh and i've been getting some information people talking to me so uh if you had some information out there in the world in the real paranormal activity area you can go ahead and write me some of your experiences write me at sandmanlullaby at gmail.com and I'll be happy to uh, carry on some of the messages. One of the messages that I got, someone was talking about they were dreaming and they were going to go to the hospital and they were going to be euthanized. Mm. But they were going to euthanize them with oxys. Huh? But they said, how can you euthanize me? I can't do that because I have a drug test to take. <laughs> so that just, to, to me, blew my mind when they were trying to explain that. I don't think, I think you wouldn't have to worry about your drug test that way. See, I'm not really, I don't want to become an addict, okay? You know, I just euthanize me once. I don't want to get hooked on this. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, traveling in your dreams, do you have a certain method when you dream? Do you... Do you notice you take like cars or anything like that or any certain kind of transportation? Do you notice when you go to your dreamland? I'm not very analytical of my dreams. So, but what I can say is my preferred means of transportation in dreams would be the uh, the slow run for sure. Really? Mostly when I travel in my dreams, if I can recollect correctly, 
which of course I can't remember all of them, but mostly walking or running very slowly. <laughs> it's like, you know, that, that epic, oh, we can't quite get away from this situation. You know, does that happen? Is maybe that's just me. I feel like everybody runs really slow in their dreams, but maybe it's just me. <laughs> do you, uh, do you notice actually, uh, any certain locations you go to? Do you dream better in certain locations? Do you notice? Mm. That's an interesting question, but I really can't say. All I know about dreams is that I don't know anything at all. Well, <laughs> see, that's the but that's the thing about dreams. Right. If anybody tells you that they know everything about dreams, yeah, you know they're full of shit. Right, so you exactly. know that's basically it. But the thing is, and it's an experience. It's something it you learn along the way. It's like what I found out when I talked to people about the paranormal, right. and you know, since I worked for Miss Cleo and everything, and people will shut down quickly when you start talking about the paranormal demons oh, and yeah, stuff like that. that are... But when you start talking about dreams, boy, they will just open They'll up, open up right. and they will I tell you everything that's okay. going on in their life. See, one reason why I'm actually bringing this up was that Howard Philip Lovecraft, you know, I'm a big HP yeah. Lovecraft fan. And what he did is he wrote uh, a dream. It's, you know, it's a bunch of stories on dreams that he did. And one of the stories that he wrote is called the white ship and basically that's the pathway that this lighthouse keeper basically travels in and out of his dreamlands okay. so that's what i was trying to figure out what method mm. you basically might right. take yeah, going honestly, in and out of yours i don't really i can't think of it to remember any off the top of my head of traveling any other way besides it's really on foot that i can you know i'm sure i've traveled other ways but i think I had to say a preferred method. It seems to just be on foot. Is there a certain we'll get, where, get, get there when we get there? Is there a certain dream you have ever had that actually changed your life? That when you woke mm. up, you had to say, "I'm going to try something different now." I don't know if I've had something that's incredibly profound that I can recollect off the top of my head. I'm sorry if I'm a lame interviewee at the moment. But no, I mean, dreams are of an incredible power to influence your emotions, I think, when you wake up, you know. I've woke up and just had great days just because, you know, had something awesome happened in a dream. And then also vice versa, you can wake up and feel kind of bad. But then I always convince myself, I'm like, hey, it's just a dream. Why do I, why am I upset? But if it's a good one, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to ride that momentum all day. Well, this is another. But I don't know. I think that, uh, I think you could very well, you know. Well, it's a question that I asked Fozzie with uh, okay. JPP. Yeah. It's, do you, uh, have you ever picked up any influence of your music since you're in the band Unkempt? Have you ever noticed anything when you've been dreaming that you wake up and you say, wow, that's something that I could actually work inside of my music? Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is kind of weird, but I have actually had a lot of musical dreams a couple times where I just had dreams where like, I could play a lot better and things just were making more sense. And you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, okay. Because I think dreams, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't know for sure, but I think a lot of it is just a, your conscious, your subconscious digestion of all your thoughts and stuff. And maybe in your ma your mind, you know, you might not have made those connections yet consciously, but in your mind, you're already connecting the dots on how am I going to play this riff this way or some particular style or whatever it may be, you know. And I've, I've had, actually had that experience in a couple of times where it's almost like, you know, people have crit critiqued playing or something like that like oh you gotta you should have done this a little better or you gotta do that a little better which i'm sure it's probably just me in my own head but you know you hear those that dream you wake up from it and you're like hey whatever whoever that force that person was in that dream they were they were right i really need to practice that a little more i should have done this better you know so i could say yes that that's had that has happened i've had dreams influence my music 
and perhaps for the better even. So okay. That's kind of cool, I guess. Good I like question. that. Good I question. like that. Living or dead, is there any person or persons that you would have liked to meet inside your dreams? Whoa. I don't know, actually. That's a weird way to think about meeting somebody, but yeah. I, any awesome person, <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to meet them in my dreams. Like Hang who? Out. I don't know any anybody who could be influential, who could inspire a great conversation. Any beautiful ladies, you know. <laughs> any, you have the ladies in the house. You know, lots of ladies in the dreams, you know. Why not? You got a dream. If you're a loser like me, that's where you score the most is in your dreams, right? I don't. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> I just try to throw it out there. We'll you throw know, your digits like, out there real quick, so if they want to read. 867-5309. My God. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> what I'm going to do, uh, actually what I wanted to do with this, it's uh, actually I did read the story uh, the white ship by hp okay. lovecraft and let me let everybody know that poem that i did at the very beginning that's called dream time that's by ella higginson and that was written back in 1898 so if you have any dream poetry if you have any dream stories or if you just want to talk and just say something what you can go ahead and do is you can reach me on facebook or that's at the Sandman Lullaby. Or you like I said, as always, you could reach us at sandmanlullaby at gmail.com. So without any further ado, and since this is a very long story, I think we'll get into The White Ship. The White Ship by Howard Philip Lovecraft. Written November 1919. This story is in the public domain. I am Bestel Elton, keeper of the North Point Light that my father and grandfather kept before me. Far from the shore stands the gray lighthouse above sunken slimy rocks that are seen when the tide is low, but unseen when the tide is high. Past that beacon for a century swept the mighty barks and the seven seas. In the days of my grandfather, there were many. In the days of my father, not so many. And now there are so few that sometimes I feel strangely alone, as though I were the last man on the planet. From the shore came the white sailed of the old. From the eastern shores where the warm sun shines and the sweet odors linger about strange gardens and gay temples. The old captains of the sea came upon my grandfather and told him of these things, which in turn he told my father, and my father told me in the long autumn evenings when the wind howled eerily from the east. And I have read many of these things, and many of these things besides in books that men gave me, and when I was young and filled with wonder. But more wonderful than the lore of old men, the lore of the books, is the secret lore of the ocean blue, green, gray, white, and black, smooth, ruffled, mountainous, the ocean is not silent. All my days I have watched it and listened, and know it well. At first I told me that only the plain little tales of calm beaches near the ports, but within years it grew more friendly and spoke of other things, of things more strange in distant space and in time. Sometimes in the twilight of the gray vapors of the horizon had parted to grant me the glimpse of the ways beyond, 
and sometimes at night the deep waters of the sea have grown clear and phosphorous to grant me the glimpse of the ways beneath. And these glimpses have been often the way that we were, the ways that might have been, as the ways that they are, for the oceans are more ancient than the mountains, and frightened with the memories and the dreams of time. Out of the south it was that the white ship used to come when the moon was full and high in the heavens. Out of the south tide, very slowly and calmly over the sea, or whether the sea was rough or calm, or whether the sea was friendly or advanced, it would glide smoothly and silently, its sails distant and its long, strange tiers and oars moved rhythmically. One night I spied upon the deck a man, bearded and robed, and he seemed to beckon to me to embark on a far unknown shore. Many times afterward I saw him under the full moon, and ever did he beckon me. Very brightly did the moon shine at night, and I answered the call, and I walked over to the waters to the white ship on the bridge of the moonbeams, and the man who had beckoned now spoke a welcome to me in soft language I seemed to know well, and the hours were filled with soft songs and the oarsmen as we glided away into the mysterious south, golden with the glow of the full mellow moon. And when the day dawned, rosy and beautiful, I beheld the green shore of the far land, bright and to me unknown. Up to the sea rose lordly terraces of virtue, trees studded and sown here and there with gleaming white roofs and calicades of strange temples. As we drew near the green shore, the bearded man told me of this land, the land of Tsar. We dwell all the dreams and thought of beauty that come to men once they are forgotten. And when I looked upon the terrace again, I saw that what he had said was true. For among the slightest before me were many things I had once seen through the mist beyond the heaven, beyond the horizon, and in the phosphorant depths of the ocean. There were forms and fantasies more splendid than I had ever seen. The visions of young poets who died and went before the world came to learn of what they had seen and dreamed. But we did not set foot upon the slopes of the metal Azar, for it is told that he who treads them may never more return to his native shore. As the white ship sailed silently along the templed terraces of Azar, we beheld the distant horizons ahead on the spires of the mighty city, and the bearded man said to me, This is Talarian, the city of a thousand wonders, wherein resides all the mysteries that man has striven in vain to fathom. And I looked out again, and the closer range, and saw the city was greater than any city I have dreamed of before. In the city the spires of the temples reached so that no man might behold their peak, and far beyond, back beyond the horizon, stretched the grim gray walls over which one might spy the few roofs, weird and ominous, yet adored with rich friezes that allured in sculptures. I yearned mightily to enter the fascinating yet repelling city, and besought the bearded man to land me on the shore pier by the huge cavern gate.
but he gently denied my wishes, saying, Into Talarian, the city of the Talarian wonders. Many have passed, but none return. Therein walk only demons and mad things that are no longer men. And the streets are white with the unburied bones of those who have looked upon them and reign over the city. So the white ship sailed past the walls of the Talarian and followed for many days southward flying birds whose glimpses plummeted matched the sky out of which they had appeared. Then came we to a pleasant coast, gay and blossoms everywhere, where the fair island we could see basked lovely groves and radiant arbors beneath the Mediterranean sun. From bowers beyond our view came bursts of song and snatches of lyric harmony interspersed with faint laughter so delicious that I urged the rowers onward to my eagerness to reach the shores and the bearded man spoke no word but watched me and we approached the lily-lined shore suddenly the wind blowed from over the flowering meadows and the leafy woods brought a scent of which I trembled the wind grew stronger and the air was filled with black charnel odor of plague-stricken town and uncovered cemeteries and as we sailed madly away from that damnable coast the bearded man spoke at last saying this is Zalora the land of pleasures unattained so once more the white ship followed the bird of heaven over the blessed sea fanning and caressing aramic breezes day after day night after night did we sail and when the moon was full and we had listened to soft songs of our oarsmen sweet on the distant night when we had sailed far away from our native land and it was by moonlight that we anchored at last in the arbor of Sanya Nil which is guarded by twin headlands of crystal that rise from the sea and meet in repleasant arch. This is the land of fancy, and we walked in virulent shore upon the golden bridge of moonbeams. In the land of Sanya Nil, there is neither time nor space, neither suffering nor death, and there I dwelt for many eons. Green are the groves and pastures, bright and fragrant with the flowers, blue and musical they stream, clear and cool the fountains, and stately and glorious the temples and the castles of the city of Sanya Nil. Of the land there is no bounds, far beyond each vista of beauty rises another more beautiful. Over the countryside and amidst the splendor of the city, rove will be happy folk of whom all are gifted with unmarred grace and unallied happiness. For the eons there I dwelt, I wandered blissfully through the gardens, quaint peep and pleasing clumps of bushes, and where in white walked the boarded and delicious blossoms. I climbed gentle hills from whose summit I could see entering phantasms of loveliness and steepled towns nested in variant valleys, and with the golden domed and gigantic cities glittered with indefinite distant horizon. And I viewed the moonlight and the 
sparkling sea, in the crystal highlands, and the placid harbor wherein laid anchored the white ship. It was against the full moon one night that the immortal year of Tharp that I saw outlined and beckoned from the celestial bird, and felt the first stingings of unrest. Then I spoke to the bearded man and told him of my new yearning to depart for a remote Catharna, which no man hath seen, but which is believed to lie beyond the balsam pillars of the west. In the land of hope, in shines of perfect idea and all that we know elsewhere, or at least so men relate. But the bearded man said to me, Beware of those perilous seas wherein men say Clarinia lies. In Sanyanil there is no pain nor death, but who can tell what lies beyond the pillars of the west? Nevertheless, the next full moon I boarded the white ship, and with reluctantness the bearded man left the happy harbor for untraveled seas. And the bird of heaven flew before, and led us towards the pillars of the west. But this time the oarsmen sang no soft songs under the moon. In my mind, we would often picture the unknown, the land of Calernia, with the splendid groves and the palaces, and would wonder what new delights were to await me. Calernia, I would say to myself, is an abode of gods and the land of the unnumbered cities of gold. It is the forest of the aloe and the sandalwood. Even the fragrant groves of Calernia and among the trees flutter gay birds sweet with song. On the green and flowing mountains of Clarnia stands temples of pink marble, rich in carven, painted glories, and having the countryside coal fountain of silver where pearl and ravishing music or scented waters come from the grotto-born river Nag. In the city of Clarnia are the golden walls of paved also with gold, and the gardens of this city is strange orchids and perfumed lakes which the beds of the coral and the amber and at night the streets and the gardens are lit with gay lanterns fashioned from the three covered shells of the tortoise and here resounds the soft note of the singers or the lutist and in the house of the city of clarnia are all palaces each built over a fragrant channel bearing the waters of the sacred nag of marble these are the houses roofed glittered gold and reflecting the rays of the sun and enhanced by the splendor of the cities and a blissful god view them from a distant peak fairness of all the palaces is the great monarch Doreb, who say is a demigod and the turrets of marble are his walls it is a wide hall many multitudes assemble and here hang the trophies of ages and the roofs are pure gold set with tall pillars of ruby and azure and have such carven figures of gods and heroes and he looks upon those heights seems to gaze upon the living olympus and the floor of the palace is of glass under which flows the cunningly lighted waters of the nag gay with fish not known beyond the 
lovely rivers of Clarnia. Thus would I speak to myself of Clarnia, but ever would the bearded man warn me to turn back from the happy shore of Sonyanil, for Sonyanil is known of men, while none hath ever beheld Clarnia. And on the thirty-first day we followed the bird, we beheld the basal pillars of the west, shrouded in mists they were, so that no man might peer beyond them through their summit, which indeed some say reached even the heavens. And the bearded man again implored me to turn back, but I heeded him not, for from the mist beyond the basal pillars I fancied there came a note of a singer or a lutist, sweeter than the songs of Sonia Nil, and sounded my own praises, the praises of me, who had voyaged far under the full moon and dwelt in the land of fancy. So the sound of melody, the white ship sailed into the mist betwixt the basalt pillars of the west, and when the music ceased and the mist lifted, we beheld the land of Catharnia but a swift rushing relentless sea over which our helpless bark was borne towards some unknown gale. Soon our ears came to the distant thunder of falling waters and our eyes appeared on the far horizon in a titanic spray a monstrous contact wherein the ocean and the world dropped down to an abyssal nothingness. There did the bearded man say to me with tears on his cheeks, we have rejected the beautiful land of Sarnyanil, which we may never behold again. The gods are greater than men, they have conquered. And I closed my eyes before the crash, and knew what would come. Shuddering out of sight of the celestial bird, which flapped in a mocking blue wings over the brink of the torrent, out of the crash came darkness and I heard the shrieking of men, and of things that were not men. From the east, temperous winds arose, and chilled as I crouched on a slab, a damp stone which risen beneath my feet. Then I heard another crash, and opened my eyes, and beheld myself upon the platform of that lighthouse from which I had sailed so many eons ago. In the darkness below there loomed a vast, blurred outline of a vessel breaking up upon the cruel rocks, and as I glanced over the waste I saw that the light had failed, and for the first time since my grandfather had assumed its care. And in the later watches of the night, when I went within the tower, I saw on the wall a calendar which still remained as when I had left the hour I had sailed away. And when the dawn came, I descended the tower and looked upon the wreckage of the rocks. But what I had found was only this, a strange dead bird whose hue was that of the azure sky, and a single shattered spar of a whiteness greater than that of wave tips of a mountain snow. And therein the ocean told me its secrets no more. And though the many times since has the moon shone full and high in the heavens, the white ship from the south comes never again.
is the white ship by Howard Philip Lovecraft. Hey, I'd like to uh, remind you on Monday, don't forget to listen to Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast with Aaron Hunter. And uh, then on Tuesday, you have Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. And then on Wednesday, you have Terry's Mysterious Moments with Terry. Uh, I'd like to thank Mr. Unkempt Andy for uh, staying here in the studio with us. Thank you. Dude, it is always a pleasure to have you in the Sandman Lullaby. And uh, so I guess we're about to fade out. And anything to say before we uh, set the world free? Dream on. Dream on. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you've been in the Sandman Lullaby. Ha, 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 ha.